Okay, hello everyone. Today's topic is unlocking the AI spectrum, understanding the various flavors of AI for business. So what I want to do is talk about the different types of AI that is now available for business and the roles they play and how they intersect and how businesses can really leverage them. And I am excited to say that I'm joined today by Davor Bonacci, who is the Chief Technology Officer and Executive Vice President at Data Stacks. Welcome, Davor. Thank you, Bernard, for having me today. It's such a pleasure. Um, maybe you can give us a, a brief overview of your background and and what you do today for for Data Stacks. Uh, yeah, would love to. Uh, obviously, as you said earlier, I'm a CTO at Data Stacks, and I'm basically running our AI business um, at Data Stacks. I joined a couple months ago at the beginning of the year when Datastax acquired Cascara, which was the company I started and was a CEO during entire during it, entire its entire existence. Mm. Uh, it was kind of a, a super exciting to to start a company and see it through an exit. And then, you know, in the past life, uh, I was at Google building similar distributed systems um, in the early days of World Cloud. Excellent. So at the moment, we're hearing a lot about chat GTP and generative AI, but there are other types of AI that can make a big impact for organizations. From your perspective, what are those different flavors of AI? Mm, interesting question. So obviously, everybody's talking about generative AI these days, um, right? It's it's a innovation that hit the nerve, I think, with the with the industry over the last you know six or nine months. Um, right? It's a technology that can generate text and video and music and images and any sort of type of content based on other based on the model trained on the content already available in the world right and we we figured out that it can be really useful uh, in in making us more productive mm-hmm. of course this is you know super interesting uh, super interesting innovation and everybody is looking at it um, obviously even before generative ai people were doing things like predictive ai Right, like predicting the future, predicting what's going to happen, predicting, you know, variable, predicting weather. Right, these are all models that can uh, predict the future based on what has happened in the past in similar situations. Right, like uh, that helps businesses enable and anticipate customer behavior, forecast market demands, right, mm-hmm. optimize operations or any other type of data-driven decisions. Right, people have been doing predictive AI for a long time, right? Like simple recommendation engines have been part of e-commerce companies for a long time. Mm. Right, it's more around predicting the future uh, based on kind of data that we have from the past. Uh, you know, beyond generative and predictive, which seems to be kind of two categories that people you know tend to. Right, this is not an you know really a survey and a breakdown of, of everything, but. It feels like uh, those are kind of the two uh, types of AI that people are talking about, right? We've been doing predictive for a while. We've been doing generative, you know, in the last six to nine months, everybody seems to be talking about it. Very good. So if we look at those two types of AIs, the predictive and the generative, 
how do they differ, especially in terms of their potential for business applications and, and, and the benefits to businesses? And maybe you can share with us some some practical, real-world examples of, of how those two types of AIs are being used. Yeah, obviously, right? So generative AI can generate um, can generate content of all kinds. And, and uh, you know, people are exploring its use cases everywhere, right? It's a, it's a relatively novel thing, and people are finding different use cases uh, across the industry in terms of generating relevant outputs, summarizing things, right? Like ChatGPT being an example of generative AI uh, model that can follow instructions given, uh, given in a prompt. Right. And I think we are just scratching the surface of what generative AI can do. Right. Like really automate generation of content of any kind. But you know, people often talk about text first, right? Generating content based on based on other information and instructions we give it. I think the, the applications are vast, right? Like most of jobs are about producing content, producing text. Right, it can clearly automate and and enable um, enable people to be more productive. Whatever content they are producing, be it text, be it you know computer code, be it something else. Predictive AI is a you know a little bit more easier to understand. It's just predicting what's going to happen, right? Predicting or forecasting something into the future, right? And then we can take a data-driven decision about that in the future right and that depends again what kind of business we are talking about but like uh clearly you know every uh, every business has customers predicting customer behavior is valuable to any business right like right like just any business all right um then you have you know predicting demand pricing optimizing operations right like all of these things matter to most businesses Right, and they are more kind of um, acting based on what you think is going to happen. Just like humans behave differently if they know it's going to be a sunny day versus a stormy day, right? They plan their day differently to get, you know, to live a um, to, to to live a good life, right? In similar ways, businesses that can predict what you know their stakeholders will do at different times can also optimize how they run their business. Right, and uh, that's what predictive AI can do for them. Farrigan, do do you have any examples that you feel really illustrate how companies can use those two technologies? So, have you seen anything in practice, maybe among your customers, maybe in, in the world as a whole, where you think actually this this really illustrates the power of generative AI, how this company is using it, and this illustrates some of the power of of predictive AI and and how this organization is using it. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I won't go into, you know, specifics of what, you know, naming companies, what they do, but like in terms of generative AI, you know, I have personally seen cases where people are generating paragraphs of text to show on, on in certain websites to kind of uh, improve the search experience among, you know, uh, among many outputs that can be given, right? So in, think of it as you're searching for, 
um, you are searching for something online, perhaps you're buying something, right? Like giving a specific uh, summary of, of the, the specific item uh, based on your intent, right? Like what you are purchasing and for what purpose you are purchasing it for, right? Being able to generate uh, intent-specific uh, summary of some product that's like you know very simple use case that people are you know clearly experimenting with and i've seen it today right mm-hmm. like it's much easier to find in a list of items when you have a good summary right like uh that is generated for you for the intent you are do, uh making the search right mm-hmm. like that's a that's a very powerful thing that improves user experience a lot right? like these small things are you know examples that like everybody can do today and then there are like these bigger things like you know github copilot that helps you you know um write code right like there are many of these productivity tools that that are um that can make you obviously more productive you know there are plenty of known examples Hmm. you know today it's kind of examples are also um relatively widely known right like predicting what the what the customer will do uh, when they are going to do it right and then obviously taking action to facilitate uh, facilitate that is, is, is super interesting uh, to customers right predicting churn um, predicting purchase predicting interest uh, in session personalization right these are all examples where where you we can improve user experience um, to drive an outcome. And do you see that those two types of AI will stay in their own swim lane, or do you think that they will intersect with, with each other? And if so, how could this happen? Do you have any examples of, of how they could intersect and work together? Yeah, totally. I, I I'm pretty sure that, there will be a significant overlap between them, right? Like in, in some sense, um, generative AI may be kind of wider or is wider than, than predictive AI, but it's more about technical trade-offs between them rather than, than anything else, right? So clearly generative AI has the ability to generate predictions, you know, token by token and, and, and predict the future that way. However, Right, like it's the it's the flavor of model that requires different type of you know different size of data, different cost that drive um, the the kind of technical trade offs here. Obviously, generative AI requires more data; it tends to be more expensive, and predictive AI tends to require more you know human in the loop often, right? Like more feature engineering, more understanding of data, but it's uh, it's simpler. It's simpler to understand. It's cheaper to operate. It requires less data, right? So these are kind of technical trade-offs, and companies will find its spot, I think, across these technical trade-offs. Very good. Yeah, a really cool example that I have recently seen was where the, a hotel company basically used generative AI and predictive AI and tried to combine them. So mm-hmm. one of the examples I saw was that they had one image of the hotel, like a photograph, 
and then they wanted to run a let's say a halloween or christmas special and they simply used generative ai that simply typed in please give me a picture of this hotel with christmas lights on or with halloween decorations and it created this pretty amazing picture and okay. then it was using predictive ai to say okay these are the various customer segments and these are the demographics and these are, and then basically, again, you use then generative AI to feed some of this information in to then customize the, the email messages to yeah. your predictive demographic. And that for me was pretty mind blowing stuff. Yeah, that that's pretty cool. The only thing that I would say here, you know, when you're doing predictive AI, you should not use demographics. You should use behavioral ML right? Like to, to figure out, you know, based on the behavior, uh, what the hotel search may be for, right? Whether it's like, you know, vacation or it's a business trip, right? Like you, you kind of try to figure out intent in the purchase um, uh, rather than, you know, you like you are, you know, this gender or this age, so you must be doing that, right? Like 70-year-old people don't go on a, on a business trip, right? Or, right, like that's, you know, a little bit iffy, but if we do behavioral ML to predict, you know, the reason for the trip and so on, that's that's kind of pretty good. On the other hand, like the generating pictures that are not real and and you know sh showing it to people can also be a little bit tricky. But um, you know, again, people are definitely exploring these uh, these technologies in 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 the way exactly you described. Absolutely, absolutely. So what what do you see are some of the key challenges then that businesses uh, might have to face when navigating these various um, flavors of AI, the, the generative and the predictive? And how can they overcome some of these challenges and, and make informed choices? Absolutely, right? So th there are challenges from from several angles. If I start with, I guess, generative AI, I think, you know, at a high level, the number one question everybody tends to have is how this is going to change my business, right? Like it's, is this reshuffling, you know, who are the leaders, who are not the leaders? Does this challenge the business model itself, um, right? And will there be new entrants into the space that, that are able to do this better than others? I often think uh, leaders across businesses tend to ask uh, themselves this question. And I've personally seen pretty much every CIO out there is tasked today to figure out what generative AI means for them, right? And there are no, you know, clear-cut answers. I've I've talked to plenty of people and seen plenty of patterns, but um, but it's un, you know, everybody's you know exploring and making sure that the, this does not disrupt their business or that they get ahead with this kind of reshuffling in, in what's generally possible. When you go down from kind of executives to maybe some, somebody like data architects, they tend to ask themselves, how is generative AI changing data architecture, right? Like what is needed uh, to support it, right? How do I do it with real-time data, right? Like per perhaps technically, you know, Calling models and and you know uh, showing the results of the models is not that difficult, but what is difficult with generative AI tends to be you know the the agent architecture and driving real time data into the model so that the model gives 
contextually correct and up-to-date information that that is useful, right? So we all know ChatGPT was trained uh, or GPT-4 was trained with a little bit stale data, right? And again, like when people are interacting with it, they expect real-time data, real-time information, uh, right? Like information from the news or information if you are building, let's say, a chatbot, right? Like the, the, the chatbot knows your interactions with the system, um, you know, that has happened recently. So people are kind of asking themselves, how do I drive real-time data or my proprietary data to these models to produce relevant outputs? Right? That's kind of what data architects, um, you know, tend to, uh, tend to ask themselves, you know, today. And obviously then, you know, beyond, you know, executive concerns and architectural concerns, then there is like, you know, ethical or security implications of it, um, you know, obviously as well. These are more on the, you know, tech policy side of things, right? Like on what data we can train, what data is not safe to train, who has the right to use the data, is this violation of this law or that law, right? We are still, you know, figuring those things out um, as well. Very good. So what recommendations would you have for businesses deciding on where to get started or how to build an AI strategy? So, right. So this is, this feels like a CIO level uh, question, right? Like, um, you know, AI business like strategy and so on. And so I think uh, the number one thing to start is around, I think, business goals, that AI can help achieve, right? This is very business specific. Um, in most cases, uh, I think AI has the ability to um, automate and optimize business and make it easier to produce uh, results, right? Like, and it's kind of, okay, what are businesses doing and where we are generating value and will AI change the game here, right? Like the most, like this feels like an existential question that people should ask themselves. And everything that looks like, you know, knowledge work at a computer that produces some content as the output feels like something that AI has the ability to, uh, to, to significantly change over the coming years. Mm -hmm. Right. And this is not new, right? Like people have businesses have been disrupted by these ways for a long time. I don't know. Travel industry had travel agents everywhere, you know, 10 years or some number of years ago. I don't know. Is it 10? But some number of years ago, nobody booked their own tickets. Everybody went to a travel agent. Right. And obviously uh, now nobody goes to a travel agent. Right. Everything is completely automated. You click a few clicks and you get what you want. Right. And so this is another step in that direction where anybody who produces, you know, let's say text, right, is 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 like lawyers, right? Like it's, can we, you know, generate legal documents in a different way rather than, you know, um, asking a lawyer for a contract of this or that, right? Like, and there are many businesses of, of that nature, right, that are going to be, you know, significantly disrupted. Uh, in, in at least in some ways uh, with this technology. So I think we start as asking, like, what does it mean for us, right? Like, when, where we are generating, um, you know, content and, and how does that change the game, 
right? And it's obviously, you know, industry, industry specific. And then uh, it comes down to data I have, right? Like today, I think everybody understands that data is super important, what kind of proprietary data they have and what's possible with the data, right? And that will, you know, typically mean asking ourselves what, in what way our data is unique that can drive better models, that can drive better data products um, for the for the you know for the market. And so once you understand kind of the impact to the business and the impact to data you have, then you ask yourself like how do I implement things? And that typically starts with you know resources, right? Like do you have everything you need to develop, deploy, maintain you know data systems, AI systems? Right, this is like a people and process problem rather than technology problem, right? Like, um, so that's kind of the next level, kind of more tactical operational things, and then you finally go into the questions of culture, right? Like, are we ready? Like, how do we talk about it? How do we prepare the organization and culture, right? Uh, who you know around people inside the organization for the change um, change to happen. Right? It's sure. a kind of levels in which I think an executive needs to think about how the industry is going to change, what is their unique position, right? what unique data they have. Uh, and then from that, I think kind of high-level strategy comes into play. Then you start asking yourself operational questions mm. around people, process, and culture, and things like that. Very good, very solid advice that I would completely agree with. So what is Datastax doing to help customers on their AI journeys? Mm -hmm. Great question. Um, Datastax is the real-time AI company, right? So in some sense, we help uh, our customers with data infrastructure to power AI, to power real-time AI. Right, like it's really about building uh, smart, high-growth applications, or maybe smart, high-growth agents, AI agents that plug into you know AI systems. Right. So obviously, up until this point, people have been doing more with predictive AI, and uh, we've been helping our customers and our open-source users with that for a long time. Um, right. Obviously, now. Uh, everybody's taking the next step, obviously blurring the line with uh, generative AI, right? And so we we have uh, what we think is the right technical architecture and the right components to put into real-time AI, uh, real-time AI solutions, right? And so we can help, um, um, you know, the community think about the real-time AI architecture and what components to put where, what are the right components to build um, real-time AI with? Very good. Um, as this is looking into the future, what about the future are you most worried about? Worried about? I mean, I, I think that um you know ai is going to change things it's going to change industries it's going to change jobs right and obviously 
uh, it's gonna reshuffle the cards, I guess, for for a uh, for a lot of people, right? And that reshuffling has a chance to disrupt our world in in positive and negative ways, right? Like, and I, I hope it will be more positive than negative. But we that's something we have to uh, clearly manage, right? Like when change happens, oftentimes there is some level of discord uh that that needs to be that needs to be figured out in the world before we get to a more steady state right change is hard and you know it has disruption possibility for around lots of things uh i hope that that we will avoid the worst of them and what about the future are you most excited about i mean uh i'm Excited about the, the the gains in productivity, right? Like we are all, uh, you know, humans who try to to make an impact, and uh, productivity is clearly important in in our ability to to generate value, right? Like in some sense, computers and data and AI, right? It's all about the productivity of of individuals that we have been driving over the last, you know half a century or more, right? That enabled this quality of life that we have, you know, today, right? Like everything, like if you think about how, you know, humans lived hundred years ago, we live, you know, hundred times better than people lived hundred years ago. And that came pr pretty much from productivity gains uh, that, that humans have enjoyed over the last, you know, century. And, you know, this is a big step in that direction, which is likely going to, um, you know, going to improve, you know, the economic output and from the economic output will likely uh, drive, you know, significant advances in, in, in generally, you know, what's possible and, and quality of life. And another thing that will happen over, you know, next decades, as long as we don't mess it up as a society. Very good. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. That was a fascinating discussion. Um, for anyone who ever wants to re-watch or re-listen to this, simply head to my podcast or my YouTube channel. Thank, thank you very much, Davor. Thank you, Bernard.